Welcome into this edition of With Sonar. I'm Tony Mulvey, joined by Tanner DeHart. Tanner, how's it going? Good. Doing pretty well. Uh, we were at the end of May, Tony. It's crazy. It feels like the year started yesterday, but we are, what, one month left in Q2, starts tomorrow, and then, I mean, we're in the back half of the year really fast. I mean, it, we're going to blink, and before we know it, one, will be in Cleveland, right? And that's just three weeks away, and then... Then we're in the back half of the year where everybody was optimistic. Absolutely. Yeah. Three weeks away from the future of supply chain. That event is going to be at Cleveland, Ohio. Like Tony said, three weeks from now, going to be an awesome event. We've got plenty of speakers coming. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one, Tony. Yeah. And if you haven't bought your tickets yet, buy, get them today. Right now, promo going on, Memorial Day sale. So one going on for, I think it's like $13.95. And then buy one, get one free. Both those in today. So if you haven't bought your tickets for Cleveland, go ahead and get that done. Uh, it's going to be a good time. I mean, rapid fire demos, rock and roll hall of fame. It's with the JB hunt party, obviously all the booths it's going to be. And then a wonderful speaker. I am. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but what are we doing today? Getting back to the basics of sonar. Absolutely. Back to the basics. So uh, we look at a lot of charts on the show. We, we talk about a lot, we dig deep, but I think it's important to always just go back to the bread and butter. Yeah. Go back to the data sets, the, the the OG ones that we look at every single day for the last five years to just understand what's happening in, in the truck called economy. Yeah, I mean, it gives the best insight, right, to what's happening. We like to look at the other ones because it kind of paints, it kind of enhances the picture that we're looking at. But I think right now is a good time to kind of reset where we at, where we're at in the market because things have changed. I mean, I know we... I kind of talked about it this morning. It feels like we're like in this lull, but I mean, things are constantly changing and we're about to enter a period where everybody was optimistic about the second half and we're about to turn the page to that second half and do things get better in the second half. And it, it's, you look at kind of where we are right now, it's, it's hard to see a huge boost. Maybe, maybe we already don't go down any further, but in terms of like get better is that, do we really get better from here? I think that's going to be the interesting part, how that plays out over the next what, seven months now. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and we go ahead and pull up the first chart here, the outbound tender volume index. Uh, now, Tony, we're talking about what's going to happen in the second half of the year, right? But let's let's maybe take a step back and look at the history, right? Yep. So, Tony, walk us through exactly what this chart means and kind of how, how can we infer about what might happen on the back half? Yeah, so this is a measure of truckload demand here domestically. So what you can see, you got three previous years. So 2020 there in the orange line, 2021 in the blue line, and then 2022 in the green line. And then that darker blue line that's down there around that orange line is where we are today. So we look back really the first part of the year, we've been pretty stable on the volume side, right? Like you look at the other years, you've had a more fluctuation, even during the boom cycle, like you had larger swings up and down uh, in that 2021. We really haven't seen that this year. Yes, there's a drop right now. You have to remember OTVI is a seven-day rolling average and Memorial Day factors in as a, basically a zero day. I mean, think of it as like a, there's not much moving during that time frame and, or at all. And it's effectively a zero day in that average. So you'll see the drop. You see it associated with every other holiday as well. So or major holiday where there's like 4th of July, Labor Day, you see it around Christmas, New Year's, and Thanksgiving. 
But what you saw leading into it was the positive, right? You saw an uptick in volumes there kind of middle of the month through the very end. And then we kind of rebounded off the bottom, right? There was like this little bump right off. I think what's interesting this time is that Memorial Day was so late at the 29th that the end of the month is right now that people, shippers especially, are trying to get things off their docks. So they kind of push things out Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in an effort to try to hopefully get it picked up. I mean, that's why if you go look at tender lead times, like they spiked up, but they quickly come, they've started to move a little lower because they all, they're likewise a seven-day rolling average. They started shipping things or tendering loads out earlier last week, but now they're getting to that crunch time to get it out before today uh, so they can get it off their docks before the first of the month and take it on May instead of rolling it into June. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, say, next week after this rebounds, once we're kind of in that first full week of June. How do, how do volumes react? I mean, I look at it, look back at 2021 and 2022, right? Drop immediately there following the Labor Day like recovery. But two very different periods. Going into July and 2021, volumes increased. 2022, they declined throughout the month. So interesting time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and looking back at the chart, one thing that interests me is the fact that you're right, right? There is a little, not, not necessarily a, a, a zero shipment day over the holiday. Yeah. Things still do ship. But the thing that's interesting is that this year, 2023, Memorial Day is in line with Memorial Day of 2020, yep. right after the shutdown. You can see the other two Memorial Days on, on 22 and 21 were much higher, 40, 50, 60% higher. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to see that even though it was a holiday, we are right back in line with where we were basically two months after the economy shut down from COVID. Yeah. And I mean, if you would have, were to pull 2019 up here, I mean, we're a little above that, which you would expect, right? I mean, you think the economy's going to continue to grow. Naturally, you would see volume levels rise throughout over the course of these years. So I think that's one of the interesting things when you look at it is that we're really, I mean, we're running above 2019, but it's not that much growth, right? I mean, it's some level of growth and you would expect to see that over the course of what is it now? Almost four plus full years. So it's just that we've been in this kind of, the seasonal patterns really didn't take hold this year, right? I mean, we've really been largely flat on the volume side throughout the entire year. Yeah. And moving into the second half of the year, I think we're going to continue to kind of stay in this lull period. I, I don't see us necessarily, you know, 10,000 is kind of that mark where we're at where volume, yep. right? I don't see us going 11, 12, 13, but I also don't necessarily see us getting all the way down to like six or 7,000. Now, we do have a, a few headwinds that mm -hmm. we've been talking about, right? You've got interest rates continuing to climb. Hopefully the Fed stops in a few days here. Uh, you've got student loan payments possibly coming back. You've got this huge debt ceiling meeting that's going on that's kind of freaking people out. So there's a few things in the, the the economy that possibly could slow us down even further. So, Tony, I guess my question to you is, what it, what are what are you, I guess, worried about, right? What are you worried about the most? So what's that one thing that's at the top of your list? And how far could that push the truckload economy well, down? Well, I think the biggest one is the student loan repayment, uh, especially with the debt ceiling, I think, in the negotiations, basically moving it up 30 days. Uh, so if you think about it, it was supposed to be 60 days from the time it expired. Well, that expiration would be when the deal signed. 
so 60 days from now would move it up basically to July 31st. Uh, so repayments really starting, say, August 1st versus a month later because they were set to expire June 30th. So basically, we're, sh we're shifting everything up a month in terms of payments. And what that does to consumer spending, I think, is the most important because if you think about it, average student loan payment is right around that $400 a month. I think it's like $393. If you take $393 out of people's discretionary income, what happens to freight demand? Uh, and I think ultimately it's a, I mean, it's a major headwind that we are going right into. And it doesn't see, I know Craig has talked about it a lot, but outside of that, I don't think it's been talked about that much, uh, mainly because it feels like people just are like, oh, this is going to happen, but we don't know what it's actually going to do. But it's a large percentage of individuals that carry those loans. And then it is a decent chunk of that income, especially in the people, that cohort that spends the money on goods. Absolutely. And I think it's also going to, I think we've kind of been kicking the can down the road with yep. student loans, right? I yep. think, I do think it's going to make a pretty big impact on interest rates and climbing inflation. I do think, like you said, if you take $400 out of everybody's pockets, it's paying student loan debt. It's a, it, it kills demand. For it does. Thing, which is effectively what? increasing interest rates does, right? It, it curves that demand, which is what's driven inflation. But the question is like, and I think this is where the Fed's going to, you start looking at how sticky some of this inflationary pressures are. I mean, especially just going into what the Fed looks at, not even because they don't, they look at the CPI, but it's not like their preferred metric for inflation, right? They use that personal capital or the PCE is what they use. And I mean, it's, sticky at five plus percent and they want it in the two percent range like it the way it looks is like hey inflation's here to stay and like what you're doing and it raising interest rates hasn't had an effect like it it almost sets up for them to continue to raise interest rates which going into <laughs> this rising or the increase in, or the return of student loan payments it just seems like you're going to get hit from both ways inflation's going to tank but you are the economy is going to suffer greatly. Absolutely. And it's not just the student loan repayments. It's also yeah. credit cards, right? Yep. People have basically all-time high credit balances on their credit cards. If interest rates continue to climb, that's even, that's not, it's not just that $400 for student loan. Now we're talking about $400 student loan, another $800 in credit card interest. Like those things start to add up. And yep. I, I, yes, we're at 5% inflation. The Fed's goal is to I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I still, I still just, I don't think two percent is a realistic number anymore to keep yeah. in control. We're gonna see what ends up. Not anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Not in the short term. I mean, maybe in the long term, but like nothing in the next twelve months says like, oh. I mean, if you start looking, I I go to the CPI just because it's easier to look at. I mean, for because you can break it down so many different ways. But you look at it, it's like well, we're just rolling off 1% month-over-month increases for 0.4% month-over-month increases. Like, it doesn't mean that prices are not going up still. Like, they continue to rise. And I think that's the, like, you see that, yeah, we've come down from, what was it, like 9% year-over-year, but down to 5 when you look at core inflation. But it's it's not because prices haven't stopped increasing. We've just moved that bar ever higher and we're just growing off the base at a slower rate. 
Absolutely. And a lot of people have said on the other side is, well, hey, we keep seeing these consumer spending reports come out. People are still spending money. How could that possibly affect the truckload economy? Well, uh, people, that that's on services, right? Yeah. The, the report just came out a few days ago and, you know, it, it was up 0.8% versus 0.1% in, in, uh, in, in April. But the thing is, is that is all being done. The two biggest factors was you use cars. Yep. Second one was services, right? Mowing your lawn, getting your hair cut, like that's not goods moving on trucks. Yeah. Hotel spending, lodging, things like that. But then you also have to factor in those numbers aren't adjusted for inflation either, right? Like that is nominal spending. It's not real spending. So you factor in inflation and it's very quickly, it's like, oh, there is areas of great weakness in, in actual spending, like real spending, especially on goods. And I look at Bank of America's report monthly. I mean, they put it out a little more often, maybe once every two weeks or so, just kind of an update throughout the month. But they go into this real in-depth monthly report and they talk about goods spending has just declined. The rate at which it's declined, it is back to basically Good spending is basically back to where it was pre-pandemic. Services spending is still grown, but it's just the rate at which good spending, this shift that we've seen, which we knew all knew was coming, right? Because the consumer is a what seven before the pandemic, it was like seventy percent services to thirty percent goods. It was a complete shift with the pandemic, mm-hmm. and now it's just kind of been the slow rotation back into services. And you're starting to get back there and like that is a headwind for trucking as well. Absolutely. And, and moving on to our next chart, let's go ahead and look at the outbound tender rejection rate. Okay. So Tony, this is the percentage of those contracted load tenders that are being rejected and not necessarily hitting the spot market. Now, most of them probably are, right? Um, because they're, they're, they're cheaper. So yeah. trucks aren't going to accept that. Um, but they're being rejected and flowing down the routing guide. Yeah. Right. And so there is a 2.95% rejection rate, which means if you look at the flip side, right, that technically means that 97.05% of all contracted loads are being accepted. That is a very, very, very low rejection rate. Uh, it's a historic low rejection rate, especially around the holiday, right? Memorial Day weekend. I mean, you look, we came off the the arguably the bottom in mid-May, but you had Blitz Week that kind of tightened the I don't want to say tighten things up because we were below three, but we went we were went up like 30, 40 basis points, 50 basis points. Then we went up like another couple, I mean 20, 30 basis points around Memorial Day. It got above uh 3% briefly. Very quickly was that number coming right back down. And I mean it just shows that Right now, there is just too much capacity in the freight market, uh, and we're going to have to see consolidations and exits, but we have to see net exits, right? Like Everybody talks about these revocations and things like that, but like, are you actually losing capacity from the market, or is it just moving from one carrier to another carrier? Like That is not a net loss of capacity. It is just where the capacity is moving from one place to another as opposed to actually leaving the market. We're going to have to actually see it leave the market. And it just, it kind of feels like it's just not happening yet. And I don't know, I don't know how, because spot rates have come so far down that you're not seeing, like they're below operating costs in a lot of ways. And you're just not seeing people exit the market at the pace you maybe would have thought to expect. Yeah, well, it's really hard to see an impact when you're talking about one, two, three trucks at a time where owner operators are running on the spot market. Yeah. But a lot of these larger carriers are running mostly on the contracted market still. Yep. 
And the reason in, in my theory is that the reason that we haven't seen larger carriers go out of business yet or really come out and struggling financially is because they've been locked into a contracted rate for the last 12 months. Yep. Remember, Tony, contracted rates lag spot rates by quite a while. Yep. Right. So a year ago and, and over the last kind of 12, 11, 10 months, contracted rates were actually pretty decent. Yeah. Um, you were still able to run profitably, but now that those contracted rates have continued to come down slowly and those 12 months, right? So May, I think it was May 22nd of last year was when contract rates peaked. So if you signed a contract, uh, let's say, you know, June 1st of last year, all the way until June 1st, that means next week your new contract takes effect, but contract rates are no longer at $3 a mile. Yeah, they're down to $239 a mile, right? So it's, and I think you saw some of this with the market when it was changing. You saw carriers go back to their shipper customers and be like, hey, we know the market's softening up. We'll offer you a rate reduction happened kind of thinking that like Q3 period, right? Trying to be proactive, which is a great thing. That's what, if I was a shipper, that's what I would want, right? A carrier to act proactively because one, it shows that they're paying attention to the market conditions. They're not trying to, like, they're going to try to help me out. I'm not going to have to worry about them falling off the routing guide. There's just like, you run less risk when that happens, but the risk that the carriers now run is that contract rates have come down so far and they've continued uh, continued to decline so far in 2023 that now when we get to the renewals for this next bid cycle, they're going to be even lower. And that's where it's going to be painful. It may not have been as painful in that first like renewal period, but I think it's this one now where they might actually start to feel some of that pain. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go ahead and, and skip a chart here and pull up the contracted uh, line haul. So we just looked at rejections. Let's go ahead and, and, and look at the um, the contracted here. So we're, Tony, like you said, we're down 20% year to date when it comes to contracted rates. The peak was 297 a year ago. And then it looks like as of this last weekend, we hit a new market cycle low of $2.39. Now, granted, it's line haul. So add in another, what are we talking? 55, 50, 55 cents. What are, where are we at in fuel right now? It's fuels come down, but it, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's still, I mean, you're still probably talking 50 plus 60 cents a mile. So, I mean, you're still talking all in rate, probably closer to that $3 a mile, but you start looking at the spot rate side of things and it's, what are they down to like 224 all in right now? So, I mean, you're talking even the line haul portion is higher than the all-in spot rate. Yes. And by 15 cents. So to me, that signals that there is a long way to fall on the contract rate side. Uh, Donnie Gilbert and I have actually talked about it. Like, where is that line? And he thinks that we're going to fall below a $1.95 contract rate, that line haul. I took over a $1.95 because I am hopeful that it doesn't fall that far, but it's hard to see any. It's hard to see anything right now that suggests that this is going to firm up anytime soon. Correct. And I, I threw a regression model on top of this chart here, and you can see if we if contract rates continue to fall at the pace that they are, that puts us uh, basically at a, a two oh eight by January first of twenty twenty four. So we've got another six months to fall, another what thirty cents or so. So like contract rates slowly fall. This thing isn't just going to tank off the side and go directly to dollar ninety five. Yeah, it's not like the the spot market, right? That is more driven by actual market or not actual market, but more market dynamics, right? The actual supply demand. Think of it more like the stock market in that aspect, right? Like buy there's a lot of buyers and sellers of capacity that 
is moving that price on a daily basis versus the contract, which is those longer term agreements and the like. So I think ultimately it's, it's where do we get to this time next year? I think that's the ultimate question. I, I love the regression line one because econometrics and econ mind over here, that was what we were built on. Uh, but it's just, it's hard to see anything real positive from a rate perspective, right? I mean, if you want to talk about volume perspective, if you look at the ocean, you see you see a slight uptick in the ocean import ocean TEU volume there through May, which is interesting because it's kind of abnormal. You don't typically see upticks on the ocean during the month, but how much of that is going into like this restocking continued inventory builds and things like that? Because if you really think about it, inventory levels at the biggest retailers have kind of worked themselves out. But largely across the board, they haven't. Like they're still way higher than what they need to be at. Yeah, absolutely. And and I have a suspicion that I think a lot of that inbound ocean is blank sailing. So I think ocean carriers took an absolute beating, even worse than the domestic chocolate market did over the last two yeah. and a half years. And oh. I think a lot, I think a lot of those, you know, this because there's no way to tell the difference between what what's on that shipment, what's on that 20 foot equivalent. I think a lot of those are possibly banks blank sailings yeah. for those ocean carriers to try to try to get back trying to, to push pricing power trying to i mean you gotta think that lane that we looked at last week from from china to long beach it got up to about twenty two thousand dollars per container it's all the way i think down to like 14 1500 bucks so they have gotten absolutely beat up yeah and that's why if you look at zim right the 10th largest ocean carrier but they're heavily spot exposed you start looking at their first quarter earnings and it is brutal. It was absolutely brutal. But I mean, I, that's where I kind of look. I like looking at OTVI because it gives like a fast, more right now of what's going on with the demand picture. But I like looking upstream because it also gives you an idea of how these retailers are kind of, or not, re, not just retailers, but shippers as a whole, like as a whole community are reacting. And I think that's the looking at them together uh, kind of makes, kind of can paint this whole picture of what's going on in transportation and freight in general. So, but I mean, I don't really know. It's, it's just, it's hard to see any positive signs, at least here in the next couple months. I mean, Tanner, I mean, where do you think we're headed? Not just from a contract rate perspective, but like a spot rate. Do you think we bottomed? Do you think we're just going to stay here? Do you think we can go lower? I mean, we saw we could go lower in May. Yep. We've come back up, but is this set up to go even lower? Yeah, let's take a look. Let's go ahead and pull up the uh, the NTI, the National Truckload Index spot chart here. And I think I think I do think we hit a bottom. I think that little dip that we had, we we thought we were at a bottom at about two twenty two in early May, and then all of a sudden we dropped about another ten cents. Uh, Tony, I do think that that was a true bottom, but I don't see any reversal. I think we're going to hang out right here around that probably 220 to 230 range. I think we've seen a bottom of the spot market and we're honestly just waiting on contractor rates to catch up. Yeah, I think it's just a, um, a waiting game at this point. It is. It's a waiting game. I think people, uh, you, you're going to have other operators continue to run the spot market. They're going to continue to just run at the, the the skin of their teeth and, and try to hold on to something that they can. Uh, and I think contract rates are going to come down. Now, uh, we've talked about it several times. It's a huge indicator of looking at that 20 to 25 cent spread between contracted and spot rate. So yep. looking at you know how slowly contract rates were falling, uh, we're looking at 
maybe Q2 of next year by the time we actually hit that split. Yep. We're, we're, we're going to have to find out. Yeah, exactly. And we'll pay attention to it here with Sonar. But I mean, it's one of those things that it's, it's hard to see. Uh, no, I think one of the reasons you haven't seen the exits and the capacity tighten is because carriers built up, especially those that had contracted freight, were able to build up some of this war chest uh, and are able to prolong a little a little longer than maybe they would have in a more normal cycle, right? That got one where you had, what was it? Almost three full years of contract rate increases before they started to pull down. So I think eventually you'll see that catch up and it's just a matter of when does it actually happen? So awesome, Tanner. Well, that does it for this edition of With Sonar. We'll be back again next week live at 3 p.m. Stay tuned for more TV uh, Alan Adler coming up here before too long.